great to see all of you here today. And if you're joining us online right now, it's great to see you as well. You guys are the smart people because you came early. You're like saying, hey, we don't know what's going to happen out there today, but we're going to make sure we get church in. And people ask me, do you think people are going to come with this threat of snow? And I'm like, the people that are going to be here this morning are people that aren't afraid of nothing. And if, uh, and, and if a little pandemic's not going to keep them from church, I guarantee you snow's not going to keep them from church. Anyway, I'm joking around. Hey, welcome to New Life. Glad you're here. And if this is your first time with us, man, we are thrilled that you're here today. You know, um, I don't know what year it was. I've been trying to think about uh, looking back and, and when I was just a little guy, and I can't pinpoint the exact year, maybe 1982, 1983, I was a really young elementary school, but uh, I don't even remember what the exact Christmas was. It was somewhere in that era that this Christmas gift arrived under the Christmas tree. And what I remember the most about that moment when we opened this gift, it would be my sister Sonia, my brother Tim, and myself. It was a gift to all of us. What I remember the most is my sister's reaction when the wrapping paper came off. Uh, my sister's nine years older than I am, so this would put her, you know, in you know, early high school or so back in that time. And, and we opened the gift, and, and, and what I remember more than anything else is my sister, who's a young teenager, she let out the loudest scream, joy-filled scream that a teenage girl could, could, could muster. And when we opened this gift, she ran around the house dancing and jumping. You know what was inside the box? A brand new VCR. Oh my goodness, what a gift! A brand new VCR. I don't remember what, exactly what it looked like, but it looked like something like this. It looked something, how many of you had a VCR in your house that looked something like this? Anybody still use this in your, and it's still hooked up? No, I won't ask you, I'm just kidding. Let me just tell you this. Um, this Christmas, if you um, wrap up a VCR and put it under your tree for your kids or grandkids, they will not have the same reaction, okay? I'm, I'm just letting you know. But my sister, man, this was the gift, and, and it was excitement. And, and what I remember, like I said, the, the most vivid memory of that moment was her running around the house screaming and jumping, and, 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 and we couldn't be happier as a family. And then there was a whole brand new round of dancing and jumping and screaming when we opened the very next gift. you know what was the very next gift? It was our very own copy on VHS of Star Wars. Oh my goodness, and you know our family's love for Star Wars. And here we are. Now, remember, this, see, if you're like a young person today, you're not going to relate to this at all. You've got to go back into a pre-internet, could never dream of Netflix or Hulu kind of world that we live in. My kids, they still can't believe that we grew up in a world without Wi-Fi. That just blows their mind. They can't figure this out. They can't figure it out. Google wasn't a thing uh, while I was a kid. And, and anyway, it was awesome. But you know... Like with many things, like with many things, the excitement of owning our own VCR and the excitement and happiness that came with owning our very own copy of Star Wars on VHS tape. Do you know eventually that happiness faded away and it became old news? Ultimately, our happiness, our joy did not last. Why? We all know the answer to this. It's because our focus in that moment, our joy, was focused on something that did not have a long-term effect. That's the reality of it. Didn't matter what it was, big or small, it just didn't have a long-term effect. And, and we, all, like, we all know this to be true, that when we, when, when we expect gifts 
and things that we can possess for ourselves, when we expect those things to bring us long happiness and joy that goes, that never-ending joy, when we expect things to give us that, we are going to be greatly disappointed. What do we do when our joy fades? What do we do when our happiness, when something that brings us so much happiness and that fades away, what do we do? Human nature is to go find the next thing. Human nature is to want the next big thing, the next latest gadget. And, and, and honestly, the longer that goes on, the harder it is for the next thing to bring us the same kind of lasting joy. And, and like I said, I'm preaching to the choir. We all know this to be true. Coming into this Christmas season, and here we are, we're not long for, for Christmas now, we talk about Christmas like this. It is the season of joy. Is it one of the most popular songs we sing every year? Joy to the world. It's all about this joy that accompanies in the, this season and the, the reason. But too often, we gauge our joy in this season based around circumstantial things. So it's like, hey, did you get everything you wanted for Christmas? And we judge our joy and happiness based on that. Hey, hey, did you have a good time with your family at Christmas? And if we did, then our happiness rides that. Yes, it was a good, joyful Christmas because it was good with family. Or we might say, hey, did you guys eat really good? How was the Christmas dinner? And we judge it. Oh, it was a good Christmas. Very happy because the food was really, really good. We tend, it's human nature, we tend to judge and weigh in our happiness and joy based on these circumstantial things. The problem is when our joy is based on our circumstances, it really isn't joy at all, is it? It's temporary happiness. There's a big difference between temporary happiness and real joy, the kind of joy that comes with this Christmas. So I would argue this, that to experience the best Christmas ever, because that's what we've been talking about these last few weeks, the best Christmas ever, it would be to experience the kind of joy that transcends all the hype. That, that's really what the best Christmas is about. It's a joy that transcends everything else that people say you need to have and got to have to be happy. Christmas is, as it was intended, it was an announcement about the arrival of the Savior of the world who came and rescued us from our sins and gave us a real life. That, that's really what Christmas is about. It's the arrival of the Savior. This is, this is the Savior who came is the very reason why we can experience a kind of joy that's not based on material things. And like the rest of the world wants to experience happiness and what they think is joy, it's on material things. But instead, our joy as followers of Jesus comes from the very presence of Christ in our lives. So when I talk about joy and the best Christmas ever, I'm talking about this, this deep, abiding, resilient joy that is found in Christ alone. That's it. That's the only place this kind of joy will come from. I think our world's lacking a lot of joy, especially I think 2020. There's a lot of people that would not find this the year of joy. And I, we understand that. You know, if you were to walk through Barnes & Noble or any bookstore, you're going to find a whole section there 
uh, filled with self-help books, dozens, maybe hundreds of self-help books that everything's going to help you with your happiness, your joy, your positivity, your forward-thinking mentality. You're going to find all kinds of things. And, and, you know, rightfully so. There's a lot of people behind books like this that have purely positive and, and good motives behind doing it. They want to have people experience joy. They want to try to share it. And, and, and you look at this. You walk through any bookstore and you see all of these books about how to be positive and a joyful person. And it just reminds us something that we already know is that joy feels good. It does. I mean, to, to, it feels good to experience joy. And as I examine the scriptures about joy, and I think about this season, I think about what Jesus brought and what it really means as Christians, you know, I really think the Bible communicates this truth, that joy is a gift. Joy is a gift. Now, stay with me on this because I don't want to lose you. Joy is a gift. Joy, I think, is one of many gifts from the Lord and because of the Lord. You know, when you choose to commit your life to Jesus Christ, when you say, I am going to follow Jesus, it's my decision. And with that comes what? Repenting of sins and believing, having faith. And we talk about this. What is faith? It's what you believe. Well, what do you believe? I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross, that he was placed in a tomb, that he rose to life three days later. He ascended into heaven. He's returning again. I believe that the very core of my being. So you say, I believe. I'm choosing to follow this Savior who loved me so much he died for me to rescue me from my sins. So I repent. I tell the Lord I'm sorry, and I choose to follow him. I'll tell you, when you choose to follow Christ, you receive him in your heart, the Holy Spirit comes into your life. The Holy Spirit is like a deposit on your heart. It's a seal, if you will, setting you apart from every person who is lost. You have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in one's life makes it obvious that you are a child of God. The Holy Spirit's presence in your life should make it obvious that the old you is gone and the new you has arrived. You are a different kind of person now. You're filled with the Spirit. It means you're going to act differently than when you weren't. It means you're going to think differently than before. You're going to speak differently. There's a different kind of disposition about yourself. The Holy Spirit makes it obvious to the world that you are set apart for the Lord. It's kind of like this. If I were to walk up to an apple tree, I would not need to be a skilled arborist to know that that's an apple tree. You know why I wouldn't need to go to college for four years to know that's an apple tree? You know why I wouldn't need that? It's because when I go up to an apple tree, I recognize it by its what? Fruit. I can see there are apples all over the branches. And even though I don't have a degree in this kind of stuff, I go, that's an apple tree. You know how I know that? Because of its, its fruit. It becomes obvious of what kind of tree this is. I can see it. So much like a, a fruit identifies the kind of tree it is, the Holy Spirit produces a fruit in a believer's life that makes it obvious to others that you're different, that you are not of this world, if you will. You are a part of God's family. Now, now Paul speaks of this a little bit in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, very familiar passage of Scripture. It says, the fruit of the Spirit is what? You know, it's the fruit of the Spirit. What, what comes out of a person? What is the product of the Holy Spirit in your life? It's love, 
joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, I look at this list, and I don't know if there's a reason why they are ordered the way that they are, but I do find it at least interesting that joy follows love. Now, there may be nothing to that, but I do find it interesting that joy follows love. I find it interesting because of something that Peter said one time. Peter said in 1 Peter 1, 8, as he's teaching the church, he says, though you have not seen him, okay, he said, you have not seen the Lord, you love him. In other words, you, you don't see him. Peter, like I said, you didn't have the same experience I did where I got to walk with Jesus and I got to see the resurrected Christ and, and I walked on water with Jesus, you, you, even though you don't see him or haven't seen him like I have. You love him. And even though you don't see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible, in other words, hard to put words on it, an inexpressible and glorious joy. So if you break apart what Peter is saying, and it's like the, the love of Christ and the belief in Christ, they precede joy. You know, there is something about loving your heavenly father that also has something to do with the kind of joy that you experience in your life. So even though we can't see him, I can't see the Lord, you know, even though we're not walking with him and eating with him like the disciples first did, we can experience today a deep, what I would say, abiding joy in our love for him. And I think Christmas in particular is the season that reminds us of who Christ is, why he came for us. And it's in those reminders also we're like, yeah, why can I experience joy? It's, it's because this joy that we have as followers of Christ is not anything that can be wrapped up and put under the Christmas tree. And that's the reality of it. This abiding joy, this kind of joy of, of knowing the Lord, you can't buy it at Target, it can't show up on your doorstep from Amazon, yet you can't bid on it on eBay, There's, you just can't get it those ways. Our joy is wrapped up or it's found in something that you can't even see. But as Christians, we don't need to see Jesus to love him and have faith in him. That's exactly what Peter is trying to teach the church. You don't have to see him to love him and have faith in him. In our relationship with him, what grows out of that love for the Lord, that's where we see the Holy Spirit's fruit start to flow out of us, like joy and peace and patience. And no, we're not perfect people and we mess up. But these are the things that make it obvious that you are a child of God. So I say, you know what, joy... It's a gift. It starts with your love for the Lord, your receiving of the Holy Spirit, and it flows out of you. That's why joy is a gift. And friends, I don't know how you think about joy or happiness or, or satisfaction as a follower of Christ, but this joy that we're talking about, it's really hard to hide. That's the way it's been designed to. We are supposed to share this kind of joy. It's not supposed to be hidden inside of us. No, it just comes out. I wonder, have you ever been so excited or so happy about something that you can't keep it in? Have you been, watch a little kid. They, they, they bounce. They, they get all, they, they got to let it out. I think that's more the, the most pure example of what I think this kind of joy should be in us. It's, you can't, you can't hide it. And I don't think we're designed to hide that kind of joy. That's not the way God, that's not the way the Holy Spirit operates in our lives. 
I'll give an example of, of not being able to contain joy and happiness. A number of years ago, back when my wife and I were, were, were newly married, we were staring down a mountain of debt. At that time, it felt like this mountain we couldn't climb out of. I, I wish I could tell you that it was all part of this carefully planned and devised strategic financial plan for our lives that matched income and debt management and investing, but no, I can't tell you that at all. What I can tell you is that our debt back then was the result of our eyes being bigger than our wallet, okay? That's exactly what this kind of debt was from. I felt so overwhelmed at the time. My wife and I will sometimes think back to that season going, man, what were we thinking? You know, what, what were we thinking? And I remember us trying to figure out, how, how are we going to do this based on, you know, we know what comes in every month. We know what's got to go out every month. How are we going to fix this? If, if you've ever been there, or if you're there right now, overwhelming is probably the right word to attach to that. Now, what followed that for us is uh, we started to read a bunch of Dave Ramsey stuff. You ever heard of him? And for the next several years, we went into what Dave Ramsey says, a gazelle-like intensity. And if you ever listen to Dave Ramsey, you know what that means. Basically, budgeting, self-denial, intense zone you got to get into to climb out of debt. And um, I don't know why, but we were just one of those couples that had to learn this stuff the hard way. You know, I, I don't know what, you know, when you got to learn something the hard way and you're in it going, why do I have to learn this the hard way? I didn't have to learn this the hard way, but this is one of those lessons we had to learn the hard way. But after a number of years of hard work and extra jobs and doing everything we could to climb out, there came this glorious, wonderful day. It, it came while we were down in Houston visiting my wife's parents, and I opened up my laptop. And I went online to make that final payment on that last credit card, which represented that we were going to be debt-free. And when I clicked submit payment, I can't explain to you what came over me. I had a physical, unplanned reaction when it hit me of what just took place. Now, there is photographic evidence of this physical reaction, and you're never going to see it, okay? I'm just telling you, you're never going to see it. But when I click submit payment, making our family debt-free, here's this physical reaction. I'll describe it to you. In that moment, I stood up from my computer, and I ripped my shirt off, okay? I know, I'm not trying to give you a visual here, but kind of. I ripped my shirt off. And I ran out the front door of my in-law's house, swinging that shirt like this. I ran three full laps as fast as I could around my in-law's house, the whole way screaming, freedom, like Braveheart, you know? It was one of those, it was this great moment of joy that I couldn't hide and happiness that just came out of me after everything that we had put ourselves through and, and, and got to the finish line and, and honestly, joy is hard to hide. I don't think we're supposed to hide it. I, I think joy just comes out naturally. Some of you are looking at me like going, I want to see that picture of you running out. You really want to see it? All right, I'll show you. Here's the picture of that moment. There it is right there. Just ripping my shirt off. That's how I remember it anyway. Um, 
Speaking of Financial Peace University, I'm thrilled that we can offer that here at our church. And we have another uh, 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 class starting up in February. You can check it out on the app. You can sign up. But if you, I just want you to know, if you find yourself um, drowning, I've been there. And I know exactly what it feels like. And, and we're on common ground together. And I can tell you, Dave Ramsey helped me climb out of it and, um, and his teachings. And so I'm glad we get to offer it. It's from a Christian point of view. It's exactly what my wife and I needed. And if that's you, that's February 1st, I believe that's starting. And you can sign up for that. We'd love to have you join us. You want to talk about not being able to hide your joy, then look no further than Luke chapter 2. In fact, if you want to turn there, you can. Or Many of you are very familiar with this part of the Bible. I'll have it on the screens behind me. But you want to talk about not being able to hide your joy? Look no further than in Luke chapter 2, on the night that the angel came and made the announcement to the shepherds that the Savior had been born. It's in Luke chapter 2, verse 8. We start our reading. It just goes like this. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. What an incredible moment. What did the angel say? I bring you good news. That will be what? Joy, great joy for everybody. Not just in that day, but a joy that extends all the way to us in our day. Now, obviously, we know the rest of the story, but can you imagine this this overwhelming, indescribable joy the shepherds must have been experiencing that night? This news that they had been waiting for for generations, that they had talked about in synagogue and talked about around the dinner table has finally come. And this thing that they've been waiting for for so long that's going to cause great joy has arrived. And these, these shepherds get to be among the very first humans that lay eyes on the redemption, the Savior of the entire world. How do you hold in that kind of news? You don't. You don't. And they didn't. Look in verse 15. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, what did they do? They spread the news. Because you can't hide joy. We're not designed to hide it. The kind of joy that comes from God The kind of joy that's available to the whole world, that's not the joy we were ever meant to hold in. So they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. Verse 18, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying, praising God, in other words, not holding it in at all glorifying, praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they have been told. So fast forward about 30 years, and we know that Jesus started his ministry. He went around teaching and preaching and healing the crowds that were gathered around him. And, 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 and it's an amazing, amazing true life story of the Lord's redemption. If you've ever read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, this 
the recording of what happened uh, during Jesus' ministry, how often do we read where Jesus healed somebody and then he said, hey, don't go tell anybody what I just did. We read that all the time. Did it ever work? No, every time the guy was healed or his eyes were open, whatever, they went out and they told everybody. And we all, why did Jesus tell them? Don't tell anybody. Well, I think simply it's this. Jesus had a time frame. He didn't want to go to the cross too early. And all, but he was helping all these people. Say, like, hey, just kind of keep this in. No, they didn't keep it in at all. Why couldn't they keep it to themselves? For the very same reasons you couldn't keep it to yourself if the Lord touched you and healed you and, or if you came under his teaching or you found salvation, you want to share this joy that you now have because joy is meant to be shared. This stuff we're reading about is called the good news. Good news comes with joy and it's too good to be kept hidden. So I think about joy this Christmas season I think joy is a gift. I think it's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in somebody's life. I think joy is really hard to hide. I don't think we're supposed to. You know what else I think joy is? I think joy is meant to be uh, a constant. It's meant to be consistent. It's meant to be all the time. In his letter to the Thessalonians, Paul said this, rejoice always. Now, that word rejoice, it just means to, to show joy, to feel and show joy. That's what rejoice is, or to show this delight. And I think about that. Is it possible to rejoice always? Because I don't know about you, I don't always feel like it. Or am I just talking about me? Rejoice always. Does that mean even during adversity? Does that mean even when we experience loss? Does that mean when we are going through personal trials or tribulation? Are we to still rejoice? And I would say yes, we are encouraged to rejoice. James said it this way. He's the half-brother of Jesus in James 1-2. He said, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Boy, James sure seems to be teaching the church that, yes, even in difficult, hard seasons of life, we are to consider those things joyful. In Acts chapter 5, we read about the disciples who had been arrested and beaten and, and persecuted. And it says in verse 41 of chapter 5, they, they left the Sanhedrin because, and they were rejoicing. Why? Because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the, the name. It sounds like Somehow they figured out that there is still joy through suffering, through hard times. There can experience a joy. See, the kind of joy that they're talking about here, it has nothing to do with temporary happiness. That's the getting a VCR in 1982 and a copy of Star Wars. That's happy that goes away. Why could they have this kind of joy that Jesus brought? It's because that kind of joy doesn't ride the waves of your life. It doesn't go up and down with circumstances. It's not built on anything circumstantial. I think Jesus understands very well suffering. He understands times in our lives that don't go well, or we say very difficult. I would say it's part of being human. Everybody experiences those, but we have something different as followers of Christ. We actually have something that sees us through it. I think about in the Old Testament, 
King David, probably one of the most prominent people in the Old Testament. He was the man that was called the man after God's own heart. Do you know, there's something about things that he wrote, I think, deeply resonates with us. One of his most famous psalms that he wrote was written during a time of deep, deep sadness, deep discouragement. Psalm 51 just goes like this. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your parent presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. He's not in a good place. But then he says, restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. I, I read stuff like this and I go, you know what? It, it's okay in difficult times to go to God for help. I mean, if somebody like King David needed it, needed God's help, needed to come back and find the joy, I, I think it's okay for us to as well. Joy is available to us. It's, I think it's, a, it's an overflow of the Holy Spirit. But sometimes life can be so heavy and hard, you got to go find that joy again. And I think it's perfectly fine to go ask for God's help. And I try to remind myself of this often. I'll remind you of it today. I think it applies. The life of faith, being a Christian... It is very much a marathon. It's rarely a sprint. What we're doing is a lifetime adventure of, of good times and bad times, but what sustains us through it all is still the joy, the hope, and the peace of our Savior is something in us that the world does not have. And it doesn't ride the, the, the waves. So our lives do this. We have good times and bad times, happy times, sad times, but there are these cons constants in our life. Joy being one of them, not because of what we can buy or collect, but because of what is in our hearts. It's the Holy Spirit. So my encouragement to you today is to rejoice always and count everything as joy. How it would change in your life if you took the hardest, most challenging thing that you're going through and you said, I'm still going to rejoice in that. I think that's the counsel of God's word in everything rejoice, find joy in it. C.S. Lewis said something very significant one time, and, I, and I, this relates, it resonates with me. He's like a discovery he made. He said, I know now, Lord, why you utter no answer. You ever pray and go, God, are you going to talk back? Are you going to do anything? And this is C.S. Lewis, one of the greatest Christian minds ever. He said, Lord, now I know why you utter no answer. And then he said this, you yourself are the answer. You, yourself, are the answer. So the best Christmas ever is cause for great joy. So in conclusion, you'd go like this. Let's, let's do the math here. We're talking about a joy that comes from Christ alone. If material possessions could give a deep and abiding joy, then why on earth are not all the millionaires and billionaires the most happy, positive people on planet earth? Because that's not where you find it. If joy could be purchased at Walmart or Amazon and delivered to your front door, then why doesn't everyone have it? If indescribable joy could be found in social media likes and follows and retweets and digital friends and large lists and all of that, then why aren't all the social influencing influencers teaching the rest of the world how to have joy? Because it doesn't come that way. Why is it that we 
always seem, maybe it's human nature, but we always seem to keep looking for joy and happiness in the same old places. And that's why I think Christmas is special every year, because it brings us back to what this is really all about. Hope, peace, joy, that's only available to followers of Jesus. And of course, I like presents and food and family as much as anybody else. But deep down, those amazing, wonderful parts of Christmas is really, I think, an opportunity for us to refocus on what truly matters most. I think Christmas is, not I think, I know. Christmas is for remembering what the Lord has done for us. What has he done for us? That we have an eternal hope in the promise of God made alive in Christ Jesus. We have an unshakable peace in Christ who will return for his church one day. We have a gift of deep, abiding, resilient joy through the love for and understanding of Christ. Our heavenly Father was the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the great high priest. He is the prince of peace, the wonderful counselor. He is the friend of sinners, Emmanuel, God with us. And he knows what it means to suffer. And there are many of us, I think, just like King David, who needs to ask God for help in this time of year. And believe me, it's okay to ask for help. God already knows everything about you. I like to remind myself this all the time because I'm like anybody else. I can get down on the dumps from time to time. God still knows my name. He knows where I live. He knows everything about me. So I'll share this with you. God knows your name. He knows where you live. He knows everything about you. There's not one emotion. There's not one feeling. There, there's not one discouragement that he's not so fully aware of and invested in. There's not one of those things. If you get down, ask God for help. Be like David. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. It's already there. It never left you. But sometimes we just need the Lord to remind us from time to time. Christmas is a great time for that. Hope, peace, joy. Only Christians can have it. Can I pray for you? Dear gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are a God of hope, peace, and joy. That, Lord, what you have done for us, man, we could never do it for ourselves. We thank you, Lord, that these things are found in Christ. And, Lord, if there's anybody in this room today that doesn't have it, that hasn't found it yet, I pray, Lord, today that we'll not leave here without finding it. We'll not put their finger on it, Lord. I pray that you'll just come near and let them know, I love you. I'm here for you. I can change your life if you let me. So, Lord, we give you praise. We thank you, Lord, this all came together. Cross.